warning. This episode contains discussions of suicide, depression, and hospitalization. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Mother Effer Podcast. I'm Beth. And I'm Jessie. We are two moms who are ready to stop being polite. And start getting real about this thing called motherhood. Because motherhood is no joke, y'all. So put on your big girl panties. Grab a drink. And and let's let's do do this thing. Hey guys! Hi so everybody! We're so glad that you're back. Um, I'm Jesse Milicevic. I'm Beth Gorey. Thank and you for joining us today. We have a special guest. I'm so excited. It's um, our first interview. Yep. The Mother Effer Podcast. Yeah. Yeah. We're so excited. So our first guest here is a friend of mine. Um, she's a wonderful, wonderful woman called Kelly Durden Posey. And she describes herself as a queer black mama born in the South, which I love. Um, and she is this fascinating, wonderful woman. She actually was one of the founders of the region's first LGBTQ law center here in Charlotte. Um, She owns a company that's called Inspired Inclusivity Consulting. Is that right, Kel? Yes. Perfect. Yes. Yes. So tell us a little bit about what you do, because what is Inspired Inclusivity Consulting? Right. So Inspired Inclusivity Consulting, and this is my my brainchild for all that I've wanted to do for the past few years. Uh, I started out with the LGBTQ Law Center, where we literally were doing anything and everything that people who identified as LGBTQ needed, you know. Mm -hmm. But when that ended, I just wanted to keep doing things. Most importantly, educating people about the LGBTQ community so that they yeah. would serve us, you know. When I started Inspired Inclusivity Consulting, that was a big part of it. I wanted to be able to still work with businesses to help them be more inclusive, but also my little babies, you know, my yeah. have some, um, they have some things that, you know, inspired me to be a better advocate. And this business is the way that I do that. So neurodiversity has touched my life, mental health issues have touched my life. And this is my way of helping others understand the experiences that I've had that they can learn from without having to, you know, poke and ask little questions. So tell me all about this. Yeah. Like us. Training all the fun things to help businesses be more inclusive. (laughs) Perfect. Perfect. So you are a mom of three. Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. So tell us, uh, tell us a little bit. How old are they? They are, well, I have twin three-year-olds and I have a six-year-old who'll be seven here in May. Oh, wow. Okay. So little still, they're still little. Oh, yes, indeed. Yeah. (laughs) And so we, um, you know, Beth and I, um, our listeners know, you know, we are um, white, cisgender, straight women. And so (laughs) part of... Part of, um, part of our really our priority for this podcast, um, you know, Beth and I have talked a lot about this is to make sure that the voices of women who don't often get heard enough, um, we wanted to be able to give them a platform to have their voices heard and to have their stories heard. Mm -hmm. And so um, it's really a priority for us as allies to make sure that we do that. So you are our inaugural guest here. 
to, you know, to come on and, and share your story. So, um, so I think Beth, um, we've both struggled with postpartum depression. Yes. Yes. Okay. So have you, you definitely did tell me a little Mm -hmm. bit about what you went through. Um, I didn't know I was struggling from postpartum depression until I had my third kid because Mm. the first one I went back to work and I thought that was why I was upset. And the second one, I started staying home and I thought that's why I was upset. And then the third Mm -hmm. one came and I was at home and nothing really changed. And my friends were like, Beth, you need, (laughs) you need some help. Yeah. And I said, all right, fine. And I went to the doctor, mm-hmm. my OB and the nurse walked in and she's like, oh, okay. So why, why are you here today? And I just started crying. She was like, oh, oh yeah. Was like we, I yeah. get it. And yeah. the doctor was so sweet. He was like, we've had, this is not a big deal. This is normal. It's important. Yeah. You get it. You get looked at. It's important. You take care of it and you know that there's no shame in this. And I was living in Seattle, so it was much easier there. Like nobody, everyone was like, let's all take drugs and be happy. Right. <laughs> and um, Seattle's amazing. Yeah. It sounds amazing. It is. It really is. <laughs> but ever since then, I've always been the mom that's like, who are you on? Are you on meds? And I'm like, cause you should be, right. do you want to be, I'll watch your kids. You need to go to the doctor. Yeah. Get yourself straight yeah. because yeah. it is really important that we take care of ourselves mentally or we're never going to be able to keep up yeah, as moms. Totally. And I did a whole episode about my fucking mental health. So we don't even need to go there again. So <laughs> but what's it's interesting is we were discussing right before we started, we thought we would go into postpartum depression, but you mentioned that you had prepartum depression, which I didn't even know was a thing. I know, me neither. So tell us about that, Kelly. Yeah, how what did was, like how did you know you needed help? Right. Yeah, that that's a thing. I had never heard of it either. And our doctor was very in tune with, you know, us. This was the second time around. So we're thinking, oh, we got this. You know, we know what to do. No, not at all. (laughs) And I realized when I literally was crying for, I want to say three days straight. Mm -hmm. And I, I wouldn't go in the bed with my wife. I just was crying and crying. And I had no understanding of why. And I finally went to the doctor and he just looked at me and said, where is your wife? And I said, she's not here. I can't stop crying and I don't know why. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, first, go get her, <laughs> talk to her, let her know what's going on. And then let me give you some therapist that you can go to. And as soon as I explored that option, the therapist was like, oh, yeah, this is prepartum depression. Welcome. And I'm like, what, what in the world? I'm like, I don't want to be here. I know. No, no, ma'am. I didn't plan that. So, so <laughs> at that point where you, you were not pregnant yet or you, you were pregnant? I was pregnant. Yeah. I okay. want to say I was maybe five, four or five months along. Mm-hmm. And I was used to just kind of bopping around. And I mean, the first pregnancy was night and day from the second one. So, <laughs> so the first one was a lot easier. If, if I wasn't 100% sure I was pregnant the first time, I wouldn't have been sure because nothing happened. I was nauseous. And then I was like, nothing's showing. You know, you're yeah. excited with the first one and you don't start showing until you're like five and a half months. And right. Like, chubby? No, I promise I'm not just chubby. So <laughs> not with the second time. I was massive. And of course it was twins. So yeah. 
It, I, it, yes. And your body knows what to do. So it just went in large mode immediately. And I yeah. thought that my mind would be the same way. It was not. So <laughs> it was an adjustment, a big yeah. adjustment. So, so then what kind of treatment did you get? You said you went to a therapist. Did you take medication? Did you just talk it out? What, what, how did you get through it? You no, know, I, I talked it out with her and it, I didn't feel comfortable taking any medication. I am not a medication person to begin yeah. with yeah. for the most part, <laughs> yeah. but you know, all of a sudden it became hard to cope. I was working at um, a, a corporate office job and I was driving 45 minutes to work just to get there every morning and you yeah. have a lot of time to contemplate life on the journey yeah right I, I kind of miss it now but <laughs> at the time I was like oh I'm thinking about all the things and oh all the things right and it was it was overwhelming to think about what it was going to be everyone was telling me oh you're definitely going to go early you're going to go early and I anyone who knew me during that time I swore up and down I was going to go to term I was like oh yeah term watch me and yeah like, oh. <laughs> so and we talked through it um, yeah. I didn't do medication okay I did the exercises that she suggested but mm -hmm. she did tell me you know this puts you at a higher risk for postpartum depression this is an indicator yeah okay. Um, and I, I also suffered with pica. During, oh, interesting. Okay. So just during your pregnancy. Just, and yes. And that was another piece that let me say, I know what this is. I have got to see somebody about it. Mm -hmm. The urge is irresistible, you know, and, and mm -hmm. while you can limit it. <laughs> yeah. I could, I could limit it, but it, it took having someone say out loud, you know, what you're doing is just a result of this. You've got to stop that. And here are some things that you can do to interrupt that behavior. Yeah. So for those of our listeners who aren't familiar, uh, can you explain what pica is? Pica is the irresistible urge to eat things that are not food. So was that, and that was just during your pregnancy? Only during the pregnancy. Wow. Uh, um, when I tell you it immediately disappeared when the babies came out, I, I had no idea that it would be that, is there it, you know, research, is there any research done, um, that looks at women who are pregnant with twins and how that affects you mentally or physically versus just a single baby? Like did, is prepartum depression more prevalent in women who are having twins due to the terrifying idea of two babies coming out of your vagina you know <laughs> I, I don't feel like it is <laughs> I don't but but when I think about the layers that would have been involved it's, it's, it's not just twins it's the second time around twins so you've got to manage the older child as well yeah yeah I, I actually think it's probably more of a chemical thing than anything else mm -hmm. but I had some, I have PCOS, um, polycystic ovarian syndrome. Mm. And so I already had some um, issues with getting pregnant. So there may have been a number of things that went into that, you know, I yeah. think history of depression and, you know, further back in my family as well. Okay. okay. Just a host of things. Okay. So, so you've been dealing with mental health um, issues then 
for a long time, it sounds like, not just when you were pregnant. Well, not me personally, but it's, okay. it's definitely okay. something that's touched my family. Um, my brother suffered from PTSD for quite some time, and um, he ended up taking his own life mm. in 2011. Mm. So there's, you know, there are pieces throughout. That's the most prevalent one. Yeah. In my mind. But it's, you know, it's not a thing that people talk about in a way that's what well, wasn't. I will say before COVID-19 and before, you know, lockdown, it was not a thing that we talked about as openly as we do now. Mm-hmm. Especially, I would say there's more of a stigma uh, in the Black community too. Oh, so mental health? Yes. Okay. About mental health treatment, you know, and I grew up in a military town where if you let anyone know that you have any type of concerns with mental health issues, that could really affect your job. Really? Absolutely. Um, so is it seen as like a weakness? Um, a weakness or really, I, I don't know that they always believe it's a thing, you know, mm-hmm. an excuse maybe. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if, if that's not a thing that you buy into as a person, then you believe that when someone claims that that's the problem, that they're making excuses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's something they should just deal with. And, you know, medication is the thing you don't really need. When, when you grow up in a military family and you yeah. go to base for all of your healthcare treatment, you know that no matter what you hurt or break, you're getting ibuprofen and you're going home. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> tons and tons of ibuprofen. <laughs> it's like Windex for that's exactly so then it sounds like I mean mental health it sounds like you were a military family and mm-hmm. you were part of the black community and so it sounds like you kind of had like that double whammy of like almost was it like um, denial of mental health, um, like needs or prevalence? You know what? I, I've heard it called that. And I would almost suggest that it's um, a taboo acceptance because I don't get that. I, I wouldn't say that we would turn out anyone or outcast anyone who was suffering from any mental health issues, but it's not something that you would talk about. It's something that you would uh, just deal with and you're, you just get through it, you know? So if your child had some sort of a mental health concern, that's just your baby and you just take care of your baby. Yeah. Now, recognizing that, you know, little black children in schools can easily be pigeonholed or tossed aside because of some assumed mental health concerns. Mm-hmm. You're hesitant to tell anyone, you know, you're mm-hmm. hesitant to, have a teacher place your child in a box. Yeah. That's kind of what we're going through now with both of our twins. We just had the evaluation with Charlotte Mecklenburg schools to find out if they'll need an IEP and what they'll need for support. Yep. We went through that with Lucas too. And it's Mm -hmm. actually one of the reasons that we're moving into Fort Mill was because we just had such a frustrating experience with the school system. Mm-hmm. Um, and Lucas's disease is so rare that he doesn't fit into one box or another. He doesn't fit in like, it's not like a clean, okay, well, let's categorize him as this, this A, B, and C. 
and move on with it. Um, and so that's where I was really frustrated is I just felt like he wasn't getting the tailored attention that he needed. Um, and they were getting frustrated because he didn't fit into those very clear boxes, you know? And so I know that you've, your twins are three. And so you're just kind of entering this. Are they going to be entering preschool? Is that why you started this process? So they are in preschool. They have been okay. in preschool, but um, they were in the, let me get it right. It was the early, wait, exceptional, or early development program. Yeah, the Bright Beginnings. Yes, I believe that's what it's called. And it's yeah. up until age three. Okay, okay. We absolutely take advantage of every one of the resources available. There yeah. is speech, OTPT all of that. And then they turned three and I just panicked um, because my son is no longer eligible. My daughter gets Medicaid because she's got cerebral palsy. And so she will be able to do that free of charge, but my son will not. So mm. we thought we're just going to have to pay out of pocket. And mm. I'm thankful that we're in a financial position to do that. Mm -hmm. If we weren't, and we had to rely on the school system I just really don't believe that we would be as supported as we would like to be, you know, in order for him to thrive. Did you have to get them evaluated at a separate place before the school system would do their evaluation? No, we, we didn't, but it's only because we were already a part of that early program and our, we had a coordinator and our coordinator had a relationship with CMS, the person that does the evaluations. And she said, Hey, I've got a few kids that I love to send over. I am happy to send over all their information. Mm -hmm. Thank goodness for that. You know, they had a heads up about the diagnoses and they could dive in from there. Yeah, I really feel for people who don't have the financial means to get all the testing done because my son has um, dyslexia and dysgraphia mm -hmm. and we had to get him tested at an outside facility, which was probably about three thousand dollars holy crap are you serious yeah three grand yeah because the the psychological <sighs> testing was covered by insurance but the educational portion was not <sighs> and God. um but then you go bring all of this all their findings to the school right and it's like our findings are he has dyslexia dysgraphia adhd mm -hmm. and they're like okay now we're going to do our own tests oh and they never think he's as bad off quote bad off as right the Right. Testing you paid three grand for. Lord. And so he's had an IEP for a while, but he also has um, hearing loss in his right ear. Mm -hmm. And that's the only reason why he still has it, because he's just smart enough oh. to really not need an IEP. And it, you know, I'm sure you get this. It's exhausting to yes. constantly fight and, and just go to the school and be that parent. I never wanted to be that parent. No, I know. Me and, too. But then I decided, you know what? Who cares? Yeah. I, I am. I'm the only one. I'm the only one that can advocate for them. My, my ex-husband and me. And I'm, I love teachers. I, I support them and I know their job is hard, but I love my son and I'm not going to let him be treated like he's just lazy when he has an actual learning disability. <laughs> Yeah, I could go on for days yeah. about this. <laughs> yeah, because you had to deal with it for days. And days. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It's no small thing. No, yeah, I, I appreciate that. But did you, um, when you were pregnant with the twins, did you realize that they had a diagnosis while you were pregnant with them? 
did you have any kind of preparation or were they born and they were like, oh, <laughs> here, here we go. Right. Question. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, I will tell you, I did know that my son was going to have something, but we did not know what. Okay. Um, what we were told was that it was going to be a physical thing. And we were like, okay, we can, we can move through that. Yeah. Um, we found out that they do these. So apparently I am, I, what, what did they call me? They called it a, I heard that it was an ancient pregnancy. That's not what it's called though. Like advanced age. Yes. I, I'm of, I was of advanced age. Right. Maybe. You were 35. Right. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> so seriously. That's, girl, that's what they told me when I got pregnant with Ava. I was 35 and he's that. Yes. I was advanced age. I was like, hold I was on. like, sorry, I didn't get pregnant at what? 15 assholes. I'm sorry. <laughs> 15 would have been ideal. Right. Right. Yes. <laughs> that's a perfect age. Oh, yeah. Right. So yes. Uh, advanced maternal age. Yep. Right. High risk. And <laughs> of course the twins. So I ended up having to get the, they do these extremely in-depth, anatomical um, ultrasounds yeah my goodness and doing that and we just knew we were going to go in and they were going to do the extreme little ultrasound and they did the first one and we were like that was intense okay see you next time (laughs) and then we come back for the next one and we didn't have to wait as long in the waiting room to get started. But then after they started doing it, we had mm-hmm. to wait. And we were like, what in the world? This is the longest process. And then yeah. they come in and say, we're just going to have the provider come in and have a conversation with you. Oh, God. Oh, shit. When you, the, you know, your yep. stuff drops and you're like, say what now? Yep. So we found out that um, our son had a cyst on one of his lungs. Mm. And then they can tell you all the worst things that could happen mm-hmm. and um, help you be hopeful that none of that is going to be the case. And even tell you this could even go away. Right. <laughs> yeah. Sure, sure. No. It, it can either be totally fatal or nothing at all. So just panic for the rest of your pregnancy. And <laughs> healthy, you know? yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, my God. Well, that's what I was wondering, because, you know, with Lucas, we had no idea that he he was sick until he was born and it popped on the screening. It was through the blood test. Um, but I can imagine that if you found out that your kids had any, any kind of issue that it would definitely affect your, your depression. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And I I found that out before I really knew that I had the prepartum depression. Right. And so I'm, I'm wondering if all that just mounted on my back was like, Oh, and you're down (laughs) right years. You know, I don't know. I don't know what, what, what may have done that, but now that I know more about the condition that he has that caused the cyst, mm-hmm. whole new world. I'm, if I had only known back then, you know, so he was diagnosed with Beckwith-Wiedemann syndrome. What is that? Right. Rare genetic disorder. Yeah. Right. It's, it's an overgrowth syndrome. You know, a syndrome being just kind of a collection of symptoms that yeah. show up any kind of way. Okay. For him, it showed up with macroglossia, which is enlargement of the tongue. Okay. um, And some weakness in his tone and his face. And one of his legs was longer than the other for a little while. But um, most 
terrifyingly, it puts them at a higher risk for a childhood cancer. Every three months we get an ultrasound and blood work just to make sure that he's not, you know, cancerous. So, yeah. Oh, Kelly, God, a lot to carry every day. Every day. It is. Girl. Yeah. (laughs) So, so I've, I'm just curious because you, you go through this with your son and then your daughter has cerebral palsy. Is that, did I pronounce it right? Yeah. And I just call it CP because it's much easier to get it. Okay. Yeah. CP. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. And so, and then your, your eldest daughter though, is what they call quote unquote neurotypical. Yeah. Yeah. My son, he, yes. As far as I know, he is neurotypical and the sweetest little thing. (laughs) But your eldest is a, is your son or your daughter? I'm sorry. Your eldest. My My daughter's. I'm sorry. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I apologize. Okay. So your son is almost seven. Yes. Okay. So, and you said your pregnancy was just so easy with him and then he was born and everything was fine. And then, you know, all of a sudden when you go to the twins, it's just like you said, your world was turned upside down. You know, and I've heard, you know, how and everyone who's had more than one child has, will tell you, oh, yeah, my second was the complete opposite of my first. So whatever you get the first time around, you can expect the opposite the second time. Yeah. So I was that annoying, obnoxious mother who gave birth and was like, oh, my water broke and it was just cute. And then the <laughs> Oh, my water broke in the hospital. I was a few days overdue. And then Kelly, you oh, got coffee. Six times, and then he was there. It was amazing. Girl, <laughs> mm, I was that person. Mm. And then I paid dearly for. Oh, no. <laughs> Karma was like, I see you. I see you, Kelly. Hey. <laughs> oh, try again. Great. I'm coming for you. <laughs> That's what happened. Oh, God. exactly. Exactly. Oh, my God. And do, you got hit with everything. Oh, yeah. what? Do a lot of people go with the uh, God doesn't give you more than you can handle route? Lord, you have to go with that because if you don't, <laughs> you're going to make it. <laughs> but you know what, God? I trust you. I trust you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you for trusting me. But I'm I'm gonna need to be equipped. So you know. that's exactly right. Like, right. What, what do I need? Yeah, girl, exactly. We had talked about so so Kelly and I have known each other for a while, and we taught we were in the same writing class recently, which was super fun. Um, and so we hopped on the phone one night when we realized we were in the same class, <laughs> and then we were just chatting away, and we were talking about my breakdown, and you said something that has made me lose sleep at night. Because I have thought, yeah, (laughs) because I have thought about this and it really, it, 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 my goal, I think as a human being is to really, um, get, get more women in like help for their mental health issues and maternal, really a more awareness around maternal mental health, which I think is happening now with the pandemic and all of these, you know, time magazine and New York times Mm -hmm. are all of a sudden like mothering is hard and they put it on their (laughs) cover. Asshole. Right, exactly. <laughs> world. Breaking news, Thanks, right? Captain Obvious. We're <laughs> staying home with our kids during the pandemic. So, but and I'm I'm glad for the coverage because fuck, we needed it. But you said something to me when we were on the phone. We were talking about my breakdown, and I please correct me if I'm not saying it right. But you said that you 
when, when you read my original piece that I wrote for business insider about my breakdown that you were like, you know, you felt that, um, a little bit what's more than I'm looking for. You, you felt like you didn't have the, um, the luxury of having a breakdown. Yeah. Right. And right. so you, you were, that really struck me because as a white woman, I carry a lot of privilege and I never thought about my breakdown as a luxury, but then mm-hmm. When I talk about it to other people and I talk about how it really did save my life because I was able to stay in the hospital for a week and get not better all at once, but start the journey towards health. Mm-hmm. But I had that week where I had help with the kids and, you know, my mom came and my husband came and the mm-hmm. whole village yeah. rallied around my family. So I was able to take that time. Mm-hmm. Right. And my husband was a breadwinner, so I didn't have to go to work every day. And so, you know, and I wanted just to talk that out with you a little bit because I want to be the best advocate and ally that I can be truly. And so if there's other women that feel like that, that are like, damn, I wish I could have a fucking breakdown so I could go in the hospital for a week and get better. Right. Like I, first of all, I think it's sad (laughs) that we want to have a breakdown so we can get a break. That is ridiculous. That is not okay. I know. And, absolutely not. But I, I was, I remember when you told your story, I think I might've even mentioned that because as a single mom, I don't have time for that. Right. I right. don't have time to break it down. Like I, and I will for a hot minute. Right. I'll shut the door to my room. Right. And scream or cry or, you know, I don't yeah. know, take a shower, but um, release it somehow. Yeah. yeah. But they, I mean, I've had that thought. Yeah. Especially during this raising a teenager. And pandemic, it's like, I would really like to just have somebody take care of me for a hot motherfucking second. Yeah. Like somebody asked me how I'm doing and really want to listen to it or, right. you know, bring me, make me breakfast. I don't know. It was and that's the thing about being in the hospital. You're like, somebody's going to come in and take your blood pressure and ask how you're doing and give you some food and get what yeah. you need and. Yeah. And it was, and it was, it was a, it was a luxury, but I'd never thought about it in those terms. And so I, I just want to make sure that I, I am being open-minded and I want to make sure that other women who hear this, um, that I, I don't know that I'm sensitive Mm -hmm. to other women who like Beth said, like you said, Kelly, it's just a luxury Mm -hmm. that not all women can afford. And Kelly, so you, you have three kids, you carried all three of your kids. I did. And so you kind of consider yourself like the default parent because you've carried? I wouldn't say that. No, I wouldn't say that. Um, Okay. My wife is a Black woman too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you, she carries just a completely different load than what I carry. You know, I think in any relationship, there's a natural nurturer um, and we complement each other really well. Yeah. We, we have the same first name. So before, if I'm, I mean, I don't want anybody to. Okay. Yeah. Third person. But you know, we have the same first name, yeah. but we, we couldn't be more different. Mm-hmm. And we need that with these kids because, you know, for, for some things I'm an absolute pushover. <laughs> for other things, she's the pushover. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, she has a different type of strength than I have. So when it comes to, um, I can deal with the daily 
cooking and cleaning. I can deal with some of the mess that they're going to give them yeah. being extra loud. But she's she's got the type of job where she needs to have a clear head all the time. And mm -hmm. the last thing that I need is to think that something that happened here at the house has put her in a place where she can't be mentally prepared for that as well. Yeah. So I, I try to keep a balance here. Yeah. Because I, I can do that now. You know, back now, I would say when I was doing the corporate thing, I couldn't do that. I really couldn't. Yeah. And that's what we talked about that luxury, right? That you were saying, you know. And so, can you just explain to me a little bit about your, what you meant when you said something like when you said that? Like, what, what did, where did that come from for you? Yeah. So, and first, I need to tell you, Jesse, you have been one of the most amazing allies to the LGBTQ community that I've ever met. I don't, and I really genuinely had to think about, is she, is she an ally? Maybe she's secretly something. And I just, because the type of energy that you have to support the LGBTQ community, it doesn't happen every day. Um, allyship is more than just saying, mm -hmm, we cool. It's more Yeah. <laughs> I have seen you in action. I, I have been just really thankful, you know, as a community member for your energy. Thank you, um, Kelly. Girl, you'll make me cry. Look, every time I have a baby, I cry over everything. Lord. <laughs> but you know, I mean, it's a thing. And, and this, I, I don't get to compliment people on that very often. So I'm happy when I can. Thank you. <laughs> That's exciting to, to be able to say. I mean, it really does mean a lot to me. It's something that, you know, I think um, my great aunt, and her partner lived in secret for, in you know, for most of their lives together in New York. But she's from the South. She couldn't, she can come, you know, she couldn't come out, you know, and mm -hmm. it was the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, you know, and it was just not okay at all. And so um, she never even officially came out to me, you know, when, and I would spend summers with her in New York City, you know, as a, as a teenager. And so um, I hated that for her. I hated that she had to live in secret and I hated that she felt like she couldn't live her life with her family and couldn't be her true self to everyone and had to hide. And that always stuck with me that, you know, and, and so I think that's where personally it comes from for me, but then also it's like, you know, it's fucking human rights, right? Yeah. Like it's human yes, rights. Exactly. <laughs> I understand why people are so, um, so concerned with, you know, the, you know, who another person wants to love or raise a family with, or yeah. like, why does that bother you so much? That's you another know. time where I'm like, who hurt you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> why does this, what, how does it affect you? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And that's usually, that could be a question somebody can answer, you know, in yeah. situations like this, somebody may have really hurt them. And this is the thing that having trouble moving past. Mm -hmm. exactly you know, so. but we also live in the south in the bible belt right you know so and so I, that's yeah that's what I struggle with and you know Kelly and I actually met at church I think that's the first time that we met we go to a super progressive church here in Charlotte called Mission Gathering Charlotte what's up Mission Gathering <laughs> I'm gonna write that down it's amazing and um our planting pastor is gay and we have a very um open policy we're inclusive and affirming so not only do we welcome everybody with open arms but we also want them to have leadership roles and a lot of churches will say sure if you're gay you can come in but you can just sit and listen and that's it you know so let's let the straight people do all the heavy lifting you just sit and listen to jesus you know make us do all the work yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so 
our church is different in that, you know, they, they want whoever feels led, you know, by the Holy spirit and God to lead, do it. It doesn't matter what color you are or, or what your sexual orientation is or your gender identity identity is right. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Jesus wouldn't care. Right. No, right. <laughs> I don't think you would. They would, some people would have you believe okay, with the tax, the tax. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> wanted to eat dinner with that guy. He did. Yeah. Right. So I'm pretty sure he wouldn't care. So, um, so I'm curious, Kelly, just, you know, um, in, in the black community, do you feel like a lot of women would say that, that having, um, you know, the ability to address your mental health issues in whatever way is a luxury? Absolutely. I absolutely would. And, um, you know, even in, in thinking about this topic, I asked a few of my friends and I said, you know, I, I, I completely understand um, the struggle I do. And I, I read, you know, I read the piece that you wrote at first. I, I read the, the second iteration mm-hmm. and I've, I've heard your story and I just thought, I mean, we all want to swerve in traffic at some point. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's so relatable that I think that's another reason it's had so much traction is it's very relatable, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but, and that's the thing, unfortunately, that is the caveat, right? Like it's so yeah. relatable, unfortunately. And that's where I want to make real change because mom should not be able to relate to this, <laughs> you know, right. we shouldn't bond over our <laughs> mutual want to swerve into oncoming traffic. Right. <laughs> Right, girl. What are you driving when you think about it? But it's 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 the thing where you're—you really do. People don't know what you bring with you when you show up places. Yeah, no matter how you want to show up in the community or at work, that's always with you. It's always in the back of your mind. It's a matter of what you do with it, and when you succumb to it, either you're going to be able to take some time down and recover, or you're not. And if you don't feel like you can, it might be the one thing that keeps you going. What do you mean? So if, and I'll have this, I feel like I definitely can name some people. I won't name any names, but I, I can <laughs> name some people off the top of my head who will share the same sentiment that the only reason that they haven't taken a drastic step or just collapsed is because they didn't feel like they could. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I felt like if they did everything that they had worked so hard to maintain and build around them would come tumbling down, whether that's their job, whether that's their family mm-hmm. or their children or their marriage, any one of those things that they felt like it was their life's work to keep doing and maintaining. Mm-hmm. If they dropped, if they mm-hmm. fell, if they were hurt, if they were out of commission for any period of time, mm-hmm. it would all be over. And now, do you think that's true? Or do you think it's just as moms, that's what we feel. We always feel that we are spinning all the plates. Right. I'll be honest with you for black moms. I think it is true. Okay. Um, And, and I I don't know if you ever watched scandal. I love scandal. Yes. Olivia Pope. Yes. (laughs) When her daddy, when Papa Pope told her, you have got to be better and stronger than ever. You've got to be twice as good. Mm-hmm. We all have that. We all have that discussion. Mm-hmm. Every single one of us has that with our parents, whether it's our mom or our dad or both. We all have it. Yeah. I've had it with my kids. My parents had it with me. It's a thing. And we know 
that if you're working twice as hard, it's V, just as good, and be viewed just as good. If you break down at any time, you could really lose that. People expect us to fail. And, and I think it's an unconscious bias thing where the media has shown so many struggling single black mothers. Mm-hmm. You kind of expect that's what we're going to be. You yeah. Know, I have three kids. That's a lot. You know, if you see me with all three of my kids, yeah, I might be struggling, but that doesn't mean I don't have things under control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I know that if people don't know me and they don't know what all is going on, they're judging me anytime right. I take them anywhere, you know, so it's not a, it's more a result of how society views us. And then that the added layer of any type of neurodiversity or mental health issues that we might bring, yeah. um, I, I, that may be convincing us that, yeah, you can't do this. You know, everything wants you to fail at this. And then we've got to fight against that too. Mm-hmm. So um, just uh, say uh, almost exactly a year ago, I was diagnosed with ADHD. Oh my gosh, I have that too. It's so debilitating. It it is. It's shiny. Yeah. Oh, look. (laughs) Oh, look. You know, but you really actually can't stop. You know, you can't, you don't have the ability to say, you know. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, that's just how it is. You're right. Yeah. And as I, what I realized is that all the black women that I, re- well, I'm not even going to say black, I'm going to say all the women of color, because I can hear a few that are not black. Yeah. All the color that I know and respect and talk to on a regular basis, because for me, a regular basis means monthly. Right. Um, <laughs> Come on, we ain't got time for regular basis. Yeah. Right. No. no. <laughs> we all have ADHD, every single one of us. It's wow. And when I finally realized, they're like, oh, yeah, me too. I'm pretty sure. Or they're like, I don't have that. And I was like, do you have all these things in common with me? And they're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. Magically, it's revealed. I don't know if this is a, the case with you, but when you get diagnosed with ADHD, it's almost um, the doctor usually will tell you this is why you're depressed mm. because you can't you feel like you can't accomplish anything. You make a list of things to do and everything's number one on the list. Oh, regardless yeah. of where you place it. And so it's so overwhelming. You're like, I'm just going to binge watch scandal. Yeah. Executive functioning like that planning piece. You can't yeah. go one, two, three, four in terms of priority. You just go one. Yeah. Everything needs to be one. Yeah. And when you have kids, when you have two boys that also have ADD, and I have ADD. Lord. It's ridiculous doing it's like a school work. Because oh, I'm like, just write it out. Just write it out. And then I'm like, oh, I'm done helping you. It's so annoying. Yeah. <laughs> and they're, you know, it's like, here's what you need to do. And then they won't do it because they have ADD. And then I right. have ADD trying to help them. Because right. like, I already did this. Lord. I'm already exhausted. I told you what you needed to do. My part's over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when I finish writing this article I'm working on for Omicron. Yes. <laughs> yes. No. <laughs> I, I am writing an article on this for a okay. journal because um, I'm, I just did a pitch. And they've asked for me to go ahead and write it. But that's, I mean. This is a thing. Yeah. My, my, how are you going to ask somebody who has ADHD to help a child with virtual learning <laughs> and convince them that this is a thing they should be doing? But you can't do that. 
I can't do it. Do it. I cannot do it. <laughs> no, girl. How am I going to set the example? I'm, I'm trying to tell him not to fidget. I have a row of little fidgety items in front of my computer for when I'm sitting on a 30-minute anything. Right. I'm right. like, don't watch TV while you do your schoolwork. I can't not have the TV on. Yes. It's like its own little world that keeps me focused. But for them, yeah. I'm like, oh, that's not a good idea. I totally or, agree with you. Um, I, can, I do my best work when I sit on the couch with my laptop in my lap and the TV's on the background. Yeah, I feel like I am in 10th grade and 8th grade because yeah. I need to be the with worst. them. And I am with them. Sometimes yeah. I'm like, what is this horse shit? <laughs> what is this? What are we learning? I'm trying to, I'm trying to, and then we, I'm trying to learn what the teacher, I'm just like, I know, I know what she's teaching, but can I mimic her teaching style in a way that right. won't confuse the mess out of my poor child? Right, mm-hmm. exactly. That. Yeah, because they changed math. Well, yes. So <laughs> it's like the basic, like how to add and subtract is totally different. And yeah. so it's like the basic fundamentals that should be the easiest. I'm like, how did you do that? What yeah. is this? Blocks? Do it in Spanish because my son is in Spanish immersion. Oh, Lord, no. Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my no, right. Oh, Lord. <laughs> oh, my God, Kelly. No puedes hablar en español. No puedes ayudar. Wow, that was impressive. Kelly. Wait, wait. Now, I majored in Spanish and English in undergrad. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, I see that. But that was a really long time ago, y'all. That was not recent. Oh my God! I'm learning so, all the Spanish over again. I'm learning all the math newly because this is the math, you know. Um, he's not carrying the word. He's doing they say and I'm just looking like, okay, that's ten, right? <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, Alexa. I- <laughs> <laughs> What's Spanish for addition? Right. <laughs> okay. Use it in a sentence, Alexa. Right. Like, and then I'm like, don't use Alexa for your schoolwork. I do <laughs> So like, I had never really heard the term executive function until you and I were talking, Kelly. Oh, yeah. And then I went online and Googled it and I was like, oh my God, this is me. Mm-hmm. Why do I struggle so badly with planning and organizing? <laughs> and well, I wish that I was that person who was better at it because those people seem to have their shit together always. And I, I they have don't. tutors for it. Really? Yes, they do. Because I'm sending my sons to these tutors and I'm thinking about going with them. So like an, like an executive <laughs> function tutor? Yeah, it's a tutor. There's a school in Charlotte whose name I just went whoop, right out of my head. But we'll they, have the one, comments, yeah. they have one-on-one teaching, which is sounded amazing but then I was like and it's a million dollars a year and I'm like oh awesome so but she's she called me and we talked and she said they offer tutoring and executive functioning and I was like okay that's something I will invest in because that's something he can use in his throughout his life yes throughout his life you know so he I hope he graduates high school that's my that's my wish and if he does knowing executive functioning will help him remember to set an alarm for work and to you know, make sure his bills are set up and budgeting, all that stuff. Yeah. Kelly, can you define executive function for our listeners? Well, so um, my understanding of executive function is your ability to prioritize steps. You know, when you see a problem, breaking it down into steps that you can prioritize and manage. Yeah. Um, for people who have ADHD, often that ability is not 
as fine-tuned as it should be. Mm-hmm. And so for small things that don't require a lot of steps, you might be able to jump in and handle it. But for the most part, <laughs> you've got to plan any part of it. It's You can't just say, well, this is clearly the thing that needs to get done first. Um, and so right. you kind of freeze. And it's much easier to pull out your phone and, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. Like my, like whenever I'm working and I have a browser open, I have like 50 tabs open because I'm constantly like going back and forth between them all. Um, and mm-hmm. my husband. Oh, look at you. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> I think another, another buzzword is interrupt driven. A lot of people with ADHD and ADD are not interrupt driven. You interrupt me. I'm out. Like, I can't remember what I was doing. I go to a different ah. task. I don't, I can't finish, start and finish something if I'm interrupted, which okay. as a mom is impossible. Right. <laughs> the mom working from home with a child in the next room that's doing virtual learning. Right. No. In Spanish. It, 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 right. <laughs> and everything that is interrupting you, every time you're interrupted, you literally have to start over. Mm-hmm. And oh, nothing yeah. gets done. Yeah, no one understands why if you were at home all day, nothing got done. Right, right. It's, it's like, oh, what'd you do all day? Are you serious? We're going to have this conversation. Oh, I hate that conversation. <laughs> oh, my God. Let me just Well, you know, I kept our children alive. Goodbye. Yeah, exactly. But they, and, and then to see other people who don't seem as exhausted doing just the general day-to-day things, is frustrating, you know. Yes. But if you have had any negative experience with medication or if you recognize the stigma associated with neurodiversity, mm-hmm. you don't want to deal with, you know, you, you don't want to do all the things that could really be helpful or mm-hmm. take the time to experiment with those things until you find the thing that works for you. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, that's a challenge, you know, and most of the people that I know that have ADHD are not being treated for it in any way you know they've known for quite some time it's a thing that they deal with so there are a ton of holistic ways to address some of the pieces that might show up yeah yeah Uh, and I've been apparently managing for 39 years and um I thought because it's a thing that you either have or you don't I don't it's not a thing that you develop Mm -hmm. now the symptoms may develop and become a little harder to control and that's what happened with me mm. the more balls you have in the air that you're juggling the harder it is to maintain them and that's when it showed up and just you just can't do anything so yeah diagnosis was a huge positive step for me great you know it just and it opens the world you know and yeah that's that's a positive story that i'm able to share but i know so many people who don't have that same positive story and are just using whatever they can to try and maintain. So mm-hmm. yeah, shout out to those still in the struggle. And, and even when you are do have medication, there's still many struggles. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Medication. Yeah, with you. No, not at all. Not at all. Well, how what? do you, how do you cope every day? Do you take medication? Do you have things that oh. you do every day? Okay. Yeah. First of all, the medication is the business. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, it, it definitely helps. Um, the, and the thing that you'll hear people con- concerned with is that they don't want to be a zombie. They want to be able to be themselves. Right. And that is definitely a concern. Mm-hmm. 
But that is a thing that you should try to work out with your healthcare professional, you know, and this is something that of course you need to see a psychiatrist for because Mm -hmm. it does require a diagnosis and a prescription, Mm -hmm. but if you get the right one who listens to you, because that's another piece, please know that women of color are often dismissed um, Mm -hmm. when they share some of the concerns they have. Uh, I did have a close friend who I told her, I said, hey, this is the thing I have. Mm -hmm. Do you think you may have it too? And she said, wow, I really do. All those things have the same concerns. And she went to her doctor and her doctor was like, I mean, but you've been living with it this long. You're good, right? Oh, gross. The thought that because you have been able to scrape by bootstrap your way yep exactly right. i mean would you say that to a kid that you just found out at 16 has add would you be like well you made it this far let's not even bother to try right. and fix it right. no no please know that they that gets often dismissed as you'll outgrow it uh, what? <laughs> no, you don't you know it's and, and i and I, I would love to believe that what they mean by that is that you'll adjust in a way that helps you still be successful I'm going to read between the lines and say that's what that really means. <laughs> and it's true. You do yeah. do that. It's like with any, like dyslexia, the learning. My son, we had no idea he couldn't hear, had dyslexia, none of this stuff right. until he was in kindergarten because he had just figured out ways to figure out what was going on around him. To cope with the world around and him. And yeah. that's impressive to me, but I'm also like, no, well, now let's get you a hearing aid and yeah. let's get you services and like I wouldn't say well you made it to kindergarten you might as well just see what you can do (laughs) right good luck keep going right it's not right no so what is what is the um article what magazine are you writing for yeah just so we can I want to it's it's called on guard and it's it's actually an Australian publication oh okay talk about um disability and human rights um internationally Look, I'm saying this out loud because I'm going to speak it into existence, but I'm also going to stay prayed up and keep my fingers crossed. Yes. Um, (laughs) This is is something I'm I'm really excited to write about. Yes. The the struggle of being a parent who has ADHD, but adjusting to this, you know, virtual reality for our children. Right. Make that a meaningful thing for them and still help them thrive because... I mean, and my son was in kindergarten when this pandemic started. He's not the child that you can say, go ahead and beat all that. Let me know how it goes. He needs that constant. He's learning to read in two languages. So it's amazing. The thought that this might be okay. Right. Come on now. Right. (laughs) Girl. (laughs) Well, Kelly, we are going to wrap things up here with you. Um, You have just been incredibly inspiring. A delight. And amazing. (laughs) And girl, you're a tower of strength. (laughs) Well, I I do. I I love the podcast. I've I've loved learning about both of you. I did, of course, listen to all. I feel like I was all in business. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we lay our our business out there. Yeah, so it's all right. (laughs) I need people to know it's okay to be weird. Yeah. yeah. This and what what I'm hope you're telling people is that this is normal. This yeah. reality, that thing that you heard before, that wasn't real. This is real. Exactly. So, yeah. You, know. you see those moms out there on social media who are pretending like their lives are perfect. No, that shit ain't real. Sorry. Keep scrolling down, girl. Don't look at that. 
Don't compare. No, don't compare. That's mm-hmm. a, that's the thing. Mm-mm. I would look. I wouldn't even compare. And I was like, I'm, I'm not even gonna try with that. <laughs> exactly. But exactly. Bye. Do no. a shameless plug for my business, just because I know I don't want people to have to struggle with this um, in their business as well. Yeah. yeah if you don't know about neurodiversity, if you never heard about the way that shows up at work, only mental health as you show up at work, you cannot be your full self if you're trying to leave that at home. Yes. And so business owners in supporting their staff and making sure that their staff are whole, (laughs) you know, spending so many hours in the office every day. um, One thing they can do is consult with someone who actually knows what these struggles are, right? Yeah. And that's, that's what I do, you know, and... So do you go into companies and, and, and do you ever talk about, you know, how to support moms? Absolutely. That's absolutely. amazing. Because that's where I've always struggled with oh, working yeah. outside the home. like mandatory. Right. <laughs> it really should. But you know, when people think of diversity, equity, and inclusion, the first thing they think of is, well, we have enough Black people here. <laughs> so we're good. Oh, God. Oh, we check the box. Right, right. Right. So I, I, I like to expand the thinking of diversity outside the, the color realm. So I do. I train, I coach, and I educate around that and around LGBTQ concerns and things yeah. that we need people to know about us so they don't keep messing up. <laughs> yeah. yes well kelly you've been amazing we appreciate you taking the time and your very busy schedule yes with your kids and your talks and your writing and your business i mean you are killing it girl so we're so proud of you we know it's not easy yes go rock that outfit go rock that outfit keep doing the great work you're doing spread the word y'all yeah so we just want to remind everybody then to please subscribe to our podcast and rate us if you get the chance because that's how we uh survive in this podcast universe so um we just want to say thank you to all our listeners who continue to support us and download and um you know leave nice comments about how much they enjoy which is always (laughs) good so um yeah so we really appreciate it guys and um yeah We'll drop down every Thursday. Yep. Some new content for you. So, <laughs> all right. <laughs> Thanks, Kelly. We really appreciate it, girl. We'll see you later.